I caught him at work one day, myself, in the castle ditch where the fox glove grows, a wrinkled, wizened, and bearded elf, spectacles stuck on his pointed nose, silver buckles on his hose, leather aprons, shoe and lap, rip-rap, tip-tap, tick-tack-too. A grasshopper on my cap, away the moth flew. Buskins for a fairy prince, brogues for his son. Pay me well, pay me well, when the job is done. The robe was mine beyond a doubt. I stared at him, he stared at me. Servant, sir, hump, says he, and pulled a snuff box out. He took a long pinch, looked better, please. The queer little leprechaun offered the box with a whimsical grace. Pouf! He flung the dust in my face, and while I sneezed, was gone. From the Leprechaun or Fairy Shoemaker by William Allingham. you lovely folks out there in the wild hinterlands it's rock and as always i'm here with max and on this lovely saint patrick's day we're going to be your guys as we walk the green hills and drink loads of irish whiskey and guinness in search of the little people hey welcome everyone in addition to drinking loads of delicious whiskey rock and i are going to debate and discuss our way through all things paranormal monstrous and most importantly fun you know max it's fun to have a couple shots of whiskey for friendship's sake Or should we drink Guinness? I don't think you can go wrong either way. Guinness, whiskey, it's all good. Well said, Max. I can always count on you to point me in the right direction when it comes to libations (laughs) for celebrations. So, uh, what were we saying? Before you so rudely interrupted me, I was telling our lovely listeners that we're going to talk about all sorts of shamrocks and shenanigans, including the supernatural, paranormal, legendary... And most importantly, fun. Ah, yes, fun. Fun is important, Max. We're the funnest guys in this here room. (laughs) But do you want to know it's not funny? Well, to be fair, we're also the only guys in this room, but (laughs) tell me, good sir, what's not funny? Having untold riches at your fingertips, only to have the gold vanish in thin air as you're tricked by that legendary fairy shoemaker, the leprechaun. Yeah, that sucks. He's like the anti-lottery Labrador. Mm Mm-hmm. But according to lore... You have to get up pretty damn early in the morning to outfox the leprechaun. Which kind of eliminates us right off the bat. I'd rather sleep (laughs) in than find the fairy gold. Sleep, according to the experts, is worth its weight in gold. True that. I mean, how are you supposed to carry all that gold if you're too weak from getting up at the crack of dawn? You gotta think, Max. Don't be so (laughs) impetuous. We're not talking about classical myth right now, my friend. We're delving into the real stuff, the deep, dark myth of Ireland. Truly, nothing says deep, dark myth like pots of gold at the end of rainbows. You hush your mouth and respect the leprechaun. And listen, Max, you cannot forget the three grand wishes he'll grant you if you catch him. That's the fairy equivalent of the lottery. I mean, like I said, he's no lottery Labrador, but... True. He is the one to focus on if you're gonna pay off your student loans. Or head to the Austin Lambeau dealership. The leprechaun is definitely one of my favorite solitary fairies. Ditto, and he's definitely not one to be confused with the trooping fairies. They may be part of the same chord, but they are different creatures altogether. Some rude folks have described the solitary fairies as the most sluttish, slouching, jeering, and mischievous phantoms out there. 
Honestly, they sound like my kind of folks. <laughs> you speak true, Rock. Besides being the fairy shoemaker, the leprechaun is arguably the most well-known fairy in the world. He's kind of like the Brad Pitt of the Fae folk. Definitely worldwide. He's gorgeous. <laughs> yep. He is an influencer for sure. And he's also the star of my favorite movie of all time, Darby O'Gill and the Little People. And you do love that movie. Have you ever seen the seagull? That said, it's no secret of Ron Inish. As they fly over the heather. Wait, 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 wait. What did you say? <laughs> you heard me. It's no secret of Ron Inish. Well, you're right, Max. It's not. It's better. Who wants to watch a movie about a family of evil were seals <laughs> wreaking havoc across the poor fishing village of Roan Inish as they try to trick the lottery man? It's a bloodbath, or wait, am I thinking of Waken Ned Divine? Uh, yeah, I don't know what you're thinking of, but clearly you haven't seen the movie. <laughs> now settle down before I'm forced to smack you with this Blarney Stone. You looking to get into a Donnybrook young Maxie? You come get some. Wait, wait, wait. First... After I have another drink of this delicious Irish whiskey, which shall remain nameless as we're looking for sponsors. Also, you're driving after this. <laughs> I always drive. Seriously, do you think Darby is better than Ron Inish? I mean, obviously they're both lovely movies, right? But I am a huge Sean Connery fan, as well as being a huge Leprechaun fan. So to me, there's no comparison. But full disclosure, I think my wife leans more toward your opinion. She loves Secret of Ron Inish. However, that said, she kind of also loves her some Darby O'Gill. You know, Max, in fact... Please don't tell me you're going to review a movie that's like 60 years old. These people have to know about the magic, Max. Now hush your mouth and let me do my thing. <laughs> I swear, no discipline on this podcast. Hush now, my lass. Uh, lad, actually. And listen closely as I tell the tale of Darby O'Gill, the fantastic 1959 movie made famous by Walt Disney himself and King Brian Connors, of course. Please stop with the accent. So, dear listeners, this fantastic movie has amazing special effects. I'll stop. It was among the first to use force perspective, which Peter Jackson utilized to perfection in regard to The Hobbits and all of the Lord of the Rings movie. Now to the story. Darby O'Gill is the cantankerous old caretaker of a fancy manor in a small Irish town. He loves to hang out at the pub and tell stories of his adventures with the little people who live on the slopes of Nakhnashiga the fairy mountain near the town. Long story short, Darby gets canned, leprechauns get involved, Darby plays a fiddle, Sean Connery sings a song, a puka is sighted, Darby's daughter gets hurt, the banshee makes an appearance, the coach devourer comes thundering down from the heavens, there's a bar fight, and everyone lives happily ever after. Very concise. Pretty much has it all. It's like the normal Saturday night in Ireland. One can only hope. And we will test that theory when we make our trek across the pond to the Emerald Isle. That we will. Shall we move on? There's nothing stopping us. Shall we speak of his origins? The first mention of leprechauns? Lead on. He was first mentioned as a leucorpan, small water sprites in the tale of Fergus MacLeddy, ancient king of Ulster. Story goes that he, the king, wakes up on a beach and is being dragged into the water by these small leucorpans. He captures them. And in turn, they grant him three wishes. Solid beginning for the leprechaun, though he seems to have lost his identity as a water-based sprite. True enough. Let's get into some specifics about the leprechaun. Go on, good sir. Now, regionally, he's known under a few different names. In Tipperary, he's known as the Lurigadon. In County Cork, he's sometimes called the Cluricon. The Lurikeen in Kildare and the Lurikan in Kerry. 
Those are thundering good pronunciations, Maxi. We can only hope. <laughs> the only one of those that I've heard as a completely different fairy is the Cluricon, who is supposedly related to the Leprechaun, but is his own creature entirely. According to the lore, this guy likes to hang out in wine cellars, pubs, and breweries, getting his drink on and sampling all the fine libations. Yeah, I ran across the same thing. Some folklorists posit that the Cluricon is merely a leprechaun on a bender, though. I like that theory. He drops the shoemaking tools, puts on his Saturday night best, heads out to the local pubs for a few rounds. Sounds like a plan. So, size-wise, leprechauns are small, between 6 and 24 inches, depending on the witness, and has light gray skin. As we said before, he's classified as a solitary fairy. When sighted, he's alone in some out-of-the-way place. Sightings often compare him to a little old man, usually sporting a tri-corner hat, Mm -hmm. wearing a leather apron, working on shoes. He often has a jug of the good stuff and pipe around as well. My kind of guy. Although, Mad Sweeney is much taller. He's like seven feet tall. All right, for those not in the know, Mad Sweeney is a leprechaun from American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Classic. Great book. I'm not super crazy about the TV show. What? You're crazy, dude. (laughs) With the leprechaun Mad Sweeney wonderfully depicted by Pablo Schreiber, that show is better than Darby O'Gill. First of all, no dude named Pablo should ever play a leprechaun. (laughs) So, And also, watch the Darby O'Gill, man. You're treading on dangerous ground. (laughs) I live for dangerous ground. Ready for a story? I am indeed. One fine day, Billy Fitzpatrick was out walking when he heard a soft tapping coming from a nearby hedge. Cautiously, he looked inside. In it, he spotted a little old man wearing a leather apron diligently working on a tiny shoe with a small hammer. Beside him was a nice brown jug and a small pipe. Fine things, in Billy's opinion. Now, Billy had heard Legends of the Leprechaun, but Faith, this was the first one he'd ever seen. Moving like a cat, while never taking his eyes off the fairy shoemaker, Billy was only a few inches from the fairy when he politely said, God bless the work, neighbor. The Leprechaun didn't seem surprised one bit, but kept working on his shoe while never looking up at Billy. Good day to you, Billy Fitzpatrick. Might I ask what's in the jug, Billy asked? Good beer made from heather tops, answered the leprechaun. Billy laughed, thinking it was a great joke, but the fairy seriously explained how the Danes had taught his family the ancient art of brewing heather beer. Never one to turn his back on a good beer, Billy asked if he might try some. The leprechaun shook his small fist at Billy. Listen, young man, you should be at home tending the cattle. Even now, they're breaking into the orchard, trampling all over your poor father's fruit. Billy almost turned around and ran, but caught himself, never taking his eyes off the fairy. You won't get away so easily, sir, he said, as he grabbed the little man roughly. Now I'll have your gold. Where is it? The leprechaun sighed sadly, and then led him over some very rough country before they came to a field of ragwort plants. If you dig under this plant, you'll find all the gold I have, you blaggard. Billy, of course, had brought no shovel, so he tied his red garter to the plant and began his run home for a shovel with dreams of riches in his head. You won't be needing me anymore, will you? The leprechaun asked, still in Billy's grip. I guess I won't, said Billy, and put the little man down. You can go now. When Billy returned to the field with a shovel, his dreams of gold were dashed, as every plant in the field had a bright red garter tied on it. As Billy cursed his luck, he heard the vanished leprechaun's small laughter on the wind. 
the leprechaun is one tricksy guy, isn't he? He's the tricksiest. You have to be if you're the one in charge of all that fairy gold. You have people coming at you at all time for your fortune. No love for your amazing shoes, man. People only want your gold. And we can't forget about the three wishes he grants you in, in exchange for his freedom. No wonder he's grouchy. People just using him for the cash-granting powers. You know, Max, earlier you were talking about the regionalism as far as the different names for the leprechaun. But did you know that he also dresses differently depending on where he lives? Do tell. According to the lore, it doesn't matter where he lives. The leprechaun is always a dapper fellow. <laughs> the Lurikan out of Kerry wears a red cutaway jacket that always has seven rows of buttons. He's also described as a fat, pursy little fellow. Rude. He's just big boned. I know, man. What's up with that? What strikes me is the fact that he's sporting a red coat, though, Max. In my mind, and Walt Disney's too, might I add, the leprechauns all wear green. According to Yates, the trooping fairies are the branch of the fae that wear green. The leprechaun and the rest of the solitary fairies wear red. I don't care what Yates says. Me old bucko King Brian Connors and the rest of his shoemaking crew will always be clad in green. Hey, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just letting you know what the experts say. Well, if anyone is an expert on leprechauns, Yates would be the guy. So the Lorigadon out of Tipperary who we brought up earlier, wears an antique coat of red with peaks all around and a jockey cap. He also has a sword that he uses as a magic wand. Damn, all Gandalf Jr. Mm-hmm. Clearly the Lurigadon out of Tipperary are all fighter mages. Clearly, as well as makers of excellent shoes. Now that's what I call jacks of all trades. Sword fighter, wizard, cobbler, you know, nice. Well, you had to put a few ranks in profession. <laughs> When I think of the solitary fairies wearing some sort of red, though, I have to admit, I always think of the red cap or bloody cap. Oh, yeah. Although I think he's mostly Scottish. Yeah, that's a bad guy. And he keeps his hat red by dipping it in the blood of his victims that he murders entirely in abandoned castles or other out-of-the-way places. Though from what I've read, he might even be classified as a goblin. But I don't think he's exclusively Scottish. There are reports of red caps in Cornwall, for example. Well, whatever he is and wherever he's from... He's probably best avoided. You speak true, Maxie. So we brought up how some folklores posit that the Chloricon and the Leprechaun are the same fairy. Yeah, like we said earlier, the Chloricon might simply be the Leprechaun out for a night of many drinks. Fair assessment. The other solitary fairy that is often mistaken for the Leprechaun is the Fear Dirg. And phonetically, it looks like Far Dirig. But we're hoping we're pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> well... I love this guy. He's a bit of a loose cannon. Mm -hmm. Loves practical jokes, just like us. Drinking all the whiskey in the cellars. Though some of his jokes can be a bit gruesome. Like Yates said, this guy is always dressed in red. In fact, his name translates to Red Man. Fear Dirgs are sometimes called rat boys due to their appearance. Draw your own conclusions there. He's sometimes thought to be connected to nightmares as well. Very hag-like in that aspect, the nightmare connection. Going back to what you said earlier about the fear deer being some sort of gruesome joker, one tale I came across involves a traveling tinker lamenting the fact that he doesn't have any stories to tell in exchange for a night's room and board, and so he's forced to sleep in a hedge. And the fear deer hears this and basically harasses the tinker the entire night, making him carry bodies, making him turn corpses on spits over fires, just all sorts of horrible stuff. That's pretty gnarly. But the Tinker escapes, right? And he runs into the Fear Dirg later on, who kind of winks at him. 
and say something along the lines of, I bet you have a lifetime of stories to tell now, boyo. <laughs> so, I mean, the fear dig was just doing him a solid, mm-hmm. giving him some personal stories to tell, presumably in exchange for future room and board. Be careful what you ask for, people. Always. You know, another interesting thing we ran across is that leprechaun might not be an Irish word. Yeah, so I saw that BBC article, although clearly you can't trust the BBC on this. (laughs) British people don't know anything about leprechauns. Clearly, the most respected news agency in the known world. (laughs) Can't trust them. So what's the gist of the article? Some scholars from Cambridge and Queen's University, Belfast, after five years of study, have discerned that the word leprechaun stems from the word luperci, which is a group linked to a Roman festival. That's interesting, but I have to admit I'm a little skeptical. Yeah, so the Lupetki Festival included a ritual of purification involving swimming or some sort of water-based calisthenics, right? So yeah, even though the word has been around for a long time, it's apparently not Irish. Of course, me old bucko king Brian Connors might disagree. I'm sure he would. All that said, many Irish folklorists thought the word was completely and utterly Irish. Mm-hmm. Lady Wilde posited the name stemmed from the words Leith Brogan, which translated to artisan of the brogues. Well, Douglas Hyde thought the word was from the Irish Leith Brogue, which translates to one shoemaker. So whatever the origin of the word, there's the connection with his rep as a fairy shoemaker. And still, some scholars posit that stems from the Gaelic word lucorpan, which translates to small body. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that, the shoemaker aspect. And do you think the leprechaun is the only source for shoes amongst the entirety of the Irish fae folk like he's the only show in town so if you want some fly new boots you best be nice to him if so I bet he's back ordered for hundreds of years you had to wait a hundred years for those fancy boots of spider climbing that you ordered back in the 17th century more than likely he has a massive warehouse somewhere in Dublin that he mails his shoes from <laughs> he's all modern I'll take some <laughs> size 12 boots of striding and springing if you please And it's lepra.com <laughs> two day shipping is one uh, gold piece extra I'm ready for a story. How about you? Let me refresh these glasses and now, yes, tell us a tale, good sir. Said Mr. Coote to Molly Corgan as he met her on the road one fine day, close to the old gateways of Kilmalak. Now tell me, Molly, have you ever heard of the Chloricon? Is it the Chloricon? Why then, sure I did, and often enough. Many's the time I heard my father rest his soul tell about him over and over again, Molly answered. But did you ever see one yourself, Molly? Ah, no, never in my life. But grandfather, my father's father, he saw one and caught him too. Caught him? Oh, Molly, tell me how that was done. Why then, I'll tell you, sir, my poor grandfather, you see, was out one day in the bog drawing home turf and the old mare was tired after her day's work. So me grandfather went to the stable to check on her. Well, as he gets close to the stable, he hears some hammering, hammering, hammering away, sounding to all the world like a shoemaker making a shoe and whistling the prettiest tune he had ever heard. Well, to my grandfather, it had to be the Chloricon. And he says to himself, I'll catch the little fellow if I can, and then I'll have money enough always. So he opens the door quietly and didn't make a bit of noise in the world that was ever heard. All about the stable did he look, but he could not find the source of the noise, nor did he sight the little man, but never did the whistling or hammering stop. And so he looked on and finally caught sight of the little fellow in the girth under the mare. And there he was with his apron, a little red nightcap, 
and the hammer in his hand while he worked on a shoe. So busy was he with his work, whistling and hammering, so loud that he never minded my grandfather, who soon had him caught fast in his hands. Faith, now I have you, says he, and I'll never let you go till I get your purse. That's what I want, so give it here, right now. Stop, stop, says the Cluricon. Stop, stop, says he, and I'll get it for you. Well, me, grandfather opened his hand a little, and the fellow jumped away laughing, and he never saw him again. And he never did get his purse of gold. But the Cluricon was in such a hurry that he left the little shoe he was making, and my grandfather was mad enough, angry with himself for letting him go. But that little shoe he found, he kept all his life, and my own mother told me she saw it often enough, and indeed had it in her own hand many times and swore it was the prettiest little shoe she ever saw in all her born days. Love that story. The grandfather keeping the small shoe as proof of his sighting of the Cluricon. Pretty cool. But I have a question for you, Max. What's that? I wonder where the leprechaun gets his wish-granting powers from. Very gin-like. That's a good question, actually. And his wish-granting powers are only used to secure his freedom from what we've run across. Yeah, same here. Like, he's not just out in the world granting wishes to every person he comes across. And his fabled gold, the large crocs of gold of legend, are also used primarily to secure his freedom should he be captured by humans. Sensing a pattern here. Yeah, he's really good with the escape mechanisms. I mean, beside him being as tricksy as hell. You know, he appeals to that greedy part of human nature uses the fairy gold and wishes to get out of sticky situations. <laughs> and I can kind of, you know, vibe with that. My parents used to own a grocery store, and if a bully caught me, I'd offer him a free Coke. Worked every time, man. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Maybe he doesn't even have gold. He's actually been spreading rumors. Hey, man, that works. Maybe he just presses the easy button in regards of gaining wealth. Why work hard? Let's go find a leprechaun. Steal his treasure. I mean, honestly, that sounds way more fun than putting in a soul-crushing eight hours at the office, speaking from experience. <laughs> you know, heading out to the countryside with a jug of the good stuff, hunting a leprechaun? Mm, sounds kind of fun. You just like it because day drinking is involved. Guilty, and the possibility of untold wealth is also fun. It's kind of an extra bonus. Max, some folklorists posit that the gold the leprechaun has is from selling his shoes, so the dude works hard for his money. He didn't just come into his wealth, and this is why he does his best to keep it out of mortal hands. Still, having a few extra crocs of gold sounds fun, huh? Don't be so greedy, Rock. I'm not greedy, but hunting for the fairy gold would be kind of cool, yeah? True enough. But what if he's the kind of leprechaun from the movie? Which movie? Well, the best one, of course. Ah, uh, Darby O'Gill, gotcha. I'm ready. Just have to make sure that we don't make the fourth wish. Uh, no, actually... I was thinking more along the lines of Leprechaun in the Hood. The horror movie? <laughs> Seriously, Max? You know it. Seriously. All right. Just joking, actually. I'm thinking more of the OG 1993 Leprechaun movie starring the pre-friends Jennifer Aniston. Come on. Listen, Max, you're new to the movie review business, so let me help you out, okay? First off, you got to mention the star of the movie right off. And it's not Jennifer Aniston, my friend. It's Willow. Willow is a star of that horrible movie. Get it right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not his name, Rock. Wicked W. Warwick. My bad. Wicked is a star of that horrible, horrible movie. No, that's his Ewok name in Return of the Jedi. Try again. Okay, okay. Warwick. Warwick, right? right? <laughs> 
It's Warwick Davis. Ah. He was great in Life's Too Short, actually, with Ricky Gervais, in case you missed it. That's right. You know, listen, I love Warwick Davis, but those Leprechaun movies were out of control. If I recall correctly, wasn't he riding like a big wheel at one point chasing people? Yeah, or a tricycle or something. Might be the best part of the whole franchise. Right, right. Leprechaun's riding big wheels is canon as far as the lore. It's how they conquered Ireland. Just a red tide of leprechauns on big wheels steamrolling the Fomorians off the island. <laughs> okay, let's stop right now. No more big wheel talk. No more 90s leprechaun horror movie talk. Only leprechaun flick getting time here is Darby O'Gill. So let's move on, Max. I don't want you sullying the leprechaun's reputation any more than you already have. Roninish rules! Okay, all right. When and if we do a Selkie episode, just watch how many times I'm going to bring up the superiority of Darby <laughs> O'Gill and leprechauns. Just just watch. It's coming. Fair enough. And moving on. You sure? Can we focus? Uh, yeah, okay. Continue on, good sir. Thank you. Okay. So let's talk about numbers. Like population-wise of leprechauns? Yeah, that's something that's never really talked about. And Darby O'Gill, both the movies and the books by H.T. Cavanaugh, there are a multitude of leprechauns just hanging out, dancing, kidnapping folks, and various farm animals, drinking, harassing the local priest. You know. Yeah, just a regular night out in Ireland. We can only hope. We're coming, all our Irish listeners. Get ready to party. But Rock, according to the lore, he's supposed to be a solitary fairy. The hanging out, dancing putting the come hither on people that's totally behavior of trooping fairies and how's he supposed to make the best shoes in ireland if he's getting his drink and his dance on well i suppose if you're going to have a leprechaun king you got to have subjects yeah true maybe they work in shifts underneath the fairy mountain it's also hard to have choreographed dance numbers with only one leprechaun maybe i'll dance in like elaine on seinfeld <laughs> the worst dance ever <laughs> is dancing part of the lore though no more than big wheels but only fools let rules get in the way of a good story. I'll drink to that. So going back to the possible numbers of leprechauns in the wide world, I did run across a number. Care to take a guess? 47. 236. <laughs> 236. <laughs> <laughs> Who came up with that number? Some Irish governmental agency, I reckon. According to a law filed with the European Union, there are only 236 leprechauns living in the wild at this moment therefore placing them on the endangered species list and protecting them from greedy treasure hunters. If that's true, I actually really love that. Protect our shoemakers, people. 100%. You ready for a story? All right, I'm ready. A young girl that lived near Castle Carberry, near Edenderry, was going for a pitcher of water in the neighboring well one summer morning, when who should she see sitting under a sheltery nook under an old thorn bush? Why, it was the Lurikeen himself. There he was, working with a vengeance at a little brogue only fit for the foot of a fairy like himself. There he was, boring its holes and jerking his waxed ends. With his little three-cornered hat with gold lace, his knee breeches, his jug of beer by his side, and his pipe in his mouth. So busy was he with his work, and so taken up with an old ballad he was singing in Irish, that he didn't notice the girl till she had him by the scruff of his neck. Ha, what are you doing, says he, turning his head round, catching sight of her. Dear me to think such a pretty Colleen catching a body as if he was robbing a hen roost. I'll take your gold, she said evenly, never taking her eyes off him. 
What did I do to be treated in such an undacent manner? The very vulgarest ruffian in the town could do no worse. Come, Miss Bridget, take your hands off and let us sit and talk like two respectable people. I don't care a wisp of barrack for your politeness. It's your money I want, and I won't let you go or take eye off you till I have it. The Lurikeen sighed. Money indeed. What would a poor cobbler like me be doing with money? Faith, let me go, and I'll turn out all my pockets, and you'll see the truth of my situation. There is no money hereabouts. If you don't give me your gold, I'll take you back to the village where you'll have 30 sets of eyes on you instead of just one. Now, the gold. Was ever a poor cobbler so mistreated, the Lurikeen well, and by such a comely smart lass as yourself? Keep your compliments, they won't do for me. I'll tell you, now, the gold. The little man drooped and looked back at her. If there's any to be found, it's under the old castle and we'll have to walk to it. Put me down and we can be on our way. Put you down indeed. No, I think I'll carry you. Well, how suspicious you are, the Lurikin bemoaned as they began their trek to the castle. They went up a little hill and the fairy laughed and joked and seemed quite content in Bridget's grip. And as they got to the crest of the hill, he gave a great screech and shouted just as if a bugle horn was blown in her ears. Oh, murder! Castle Carberry is afire! Poor Bridget gave a great start and looked up towards the castle. And at that very moment, the weight of the Lurikeen disappeared from her hands. And when her eyes looked back, he was gone. There was no more sign of him than if everything that passed was merely a dream. See, now that's super canon as far as the lore. What's that? You must keep your eyes on the leprechaun at all times. When you catch him, people, the moment your eyes are off, poof, he's gone. It's like your eyes are a stasis field holding him in place. Just so. And he'll do anything in his power to divert your attention from screaming and trying to panic you as he did to the girl in the previous story to inviting you for some snuff, which he inevitably blows in your face, blinding you. So yeah, if you have him, keep your eyes on him. Sound advice. Just don't be too rough with him. He's only doing his job after all. Shoes are important, y'all. Seriously, to all you treasure hunters out there, you don't see the leprechaun bothering you at your job, do you? Give him a break and maybe order some boots from him. I bet he can make some mean cowboy boots. We are in Texas. Boots are kind of the national footwear for the Lone Star State. You are not lying, Max. Some nice leprechaun-made boots. I think those would go for some big money on the eBay. (laughs) Well, guys and gals, that is going to do it for us this time around. And thanks for hanging out and sharing the Guinness and the whiskey. Yes, yes. We really appreciate it. If you like what we're doing, or even if you don't, (laughs) please head over to Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to us on and rate and review us. It's super helpful. Appreciate it so much. Max Speaks True, y'all. Take that moment. It means so much. The more you rate and review us, the higher we go in the listings and more people listen to us. Everybody wins. Say hi to us on social media as well. Give us a tweet. Find us on Facebook. Visit our website, nightmarespodcast.net, and maybe pick up some cool merch. Agreed. It is the funnest merch. The intro and outro music is by Teresa Joy. Find and follow her at Viobrite, V-I-O-B-R-I-T-E, on Facebook and Instagram. And visit her own website at Teresa Joy Music, all one word, and pick up some of her great music. Max, are we done, my man? We're done, right? People, thanks again for hanging out and listening to Max and I as we shoot the breeze about the leprechaun. Have a great night. Be safe out there. Don't drink too much. And as always, sweet dreams. Sweet dreams.